0: Hey everyone, I'm Andrea Ferretti, and this is episode 253 of Yoga Land. Today my guest is Chiyama Njaku. Chiyama is a certified public accountant. She is known on Instagram as Mindfully Chiyama, and that's spelled C-H-I-O-M-A. And when I first found her, came across her on Instagram, I just lurked and, and followed her silently for a while, trying to figure out who she was. Her Instagram handle really intrigued me, and her website is also themindfulbookkeeper.com. So I felt like, hmm, I bet she has the background and the qualities that I'm looking for to talk about finances and money on the show. It's a topic that we all have to deal with, and it's a topic that I've thought about talking about on the show for a very long time but I really just wanted to find someone who both blended accounting and finance with yoga and mindfulness and she is that person. So today's show since I haven't had a show about money in you know more than 5 years of having the show it was hard to fit everything all into one show. So this can be a continuing conversation if you all are interested and have more questions. But I tried to hit some conceptual points as well as some really practical strategic points for the show with my questions for her. And so she very generously shared her own background of having financial struggles, even though she had an accounting background and how it really took practicing yoga to come out of that. And her story, I think, illustrates really well the two points that so many of us vacillate between which are not feeling like we are enough or we make enough money. And then we swing back toward feeling guilty for wanting to make money or feeling like we are not valuable enough to ask for more money. So lots of concepts here that we talk through that will hopefully be helpful to you. And then I also ask her how To price oneself right now in the middle of a pandemic, how do we approach that? How do we approach that when so many of you are teaching in different environments now, like online or hybrid? And then finally, I ask her the different ways that a person can work with a financial advisor, because I never even knew any of those options for decades myself, and I thought it would be helpful to you. Just a few quick housekeeping items. If you would like to, you can watch this episode on our YouTube channel, Jason Crandall Yoga Method on YouTube. And if you want to make sure that you don't miss an episode from us, since we are now often doing two episodes a week between my episodes and Jason's teacher's companion episodes, please sign up for our newsletter at jasonyoga.com newsletter. Last thing, Jason is starting module one of his advanced teacher training online in a couple of weeks. You just have a few more weeks to think about it. And if you would like to learn more, he did a webinar a few weeks ago where he gave some background information on the program, walks you through the teaching platform, the manual, all that good stuff. And you can go watch that replay at jasonyoga.com webinar. Okay, everyone, enjoy the interview. Well, Hi Chiyama, welcome to the show. I'm so happy to have you here today.
1: I am very honored to be here. So thank you for well, thank you for connecting with me. I really enjoy listening to you, especially in 2020. Oh, thank um, you. you helped me a lot. So. <laughs>
0: oh, good. I'm so glad to hear that. That's great. Yeah, thanks. I would love to start by talking about, you know, we were just talking on the lead into the show about how I just think you have the perfect background for my audience. Because you have both a traditional finance background and then you also are connected to yoga. So, can you talk about those two parts of your life?
1: Sure. Well, okay. My intro I am an accountant, (laughs) actually trained, and I also do financial coaching. And it will surprise a lot of people that despite me being extremely qualified on paper, I had no clue about how to manage my money. I was very good at my job but my own personal finances were a mess.
0: I think that will make um, all of us, including
1: myself, feel a lot better (laughs) because it's (laughs) really hard. I find it to be really hard. It's, um, you know, I I do wish that more people would be more candid about their behind the scenes because I think it'll help a lot of people and more so help us get, now find solutions. Enter yoga, which was actually the start of me understanding my financial situation, I was very like in the box of money. Mm -hmm. Like it has to be this way or, or else yoga for me helped me actually be okay. Understand that there's many boxes, Mm -hmm. there's many pathways and you pick the one that's best for you, which Mm -hmm. I will definitely get more specific on that. But like, I think I had to become okay with my decisions, the thing actually wanting things and really valuing myself and really understand like the yoga, it was the first time I heard find your tribe and I was always trying to fit in mm. instead of be me mm-hmm. and understand that being me is not greedy. It's not selfish. There's nothing wrong with that. So mm. My yoga practice, my yoga that to this day, I, everything is a practice. That's my, my theme. Everything's a practice. It really helped me with my finances, be myself. Mm -hmm. And when I started to be myself, my true self, that's when everything really started to shift.
0: Wow. Okay. This is so interesting. I want to know more. Okay. So I know that you, I've listened to podcasts with you and read, read your blog and things like that. So I do know a little bit about your story and that you had a great job. You were making really good money and then you just had major financial difficulties. So you said, you mentioned that even though you were trained, you know, this happened. So what do you think is missing for people, um, well, you can tell a little more about your story and then and then also just like what what is missing for us? What what do you think is the key
1: to getting out of that
0: that those challenges?
1: Answering the whole entire thing, it's your environment. So like especially you are the company that you keep. And I didn't realize how much we are being programmed on a day-to-day basis, be it a podcast, be it this actually, or television, ads. Even just understanding how advertisers, they try and get into our, our minds, hit our mm-hmm. pain points. It's cool to know that, but it's like, whoa, once you really know what's going on. So it's, it's really being aware. For me, and I want to say that most of us, uh, yoga might have the opposite problem, but there was this strong belief that the more money you made, or more, more money I made, the more I would actually have.
2: Mm-hmm. And that's not true. Hmm.
1: The skill of having money is one thing, the intention, sorry, the skill of making money is one thing, the intention of having money is another. And Hmm. I'm at a point where I used to think I wasn't making enough money. That's not the issue. You can have money. You don't have to make money to have money. So I want to Hmm. make that clear, even for teachers that are like, I don't make enough money because probably everyone around you, the teacher is saying that, oh, you're just a broke yoga teacher. And I heard that a lot. So getting more specific, my background growing up, that's all I heard. My Hmm. parents are from Nigeria, American dream. They want their kids to succeed. You better be a doctor, (laughs) Mm -hmm. a lawyer, accountant, some professional, and you need to make over six figures. Otherwise you're a failure. Hmm. So that was my whole life for like 12, 13 years. You got hit that six figure, hits that six figures. Otherwise you're broke. You're broke. You're broke. You're broke.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: I never found another way. I was, I never stepped outside that box. And then, and I'll just wrap this up. I blamed accounting. See mindset here, <laughs> yeah. decided to become a teacher. I got into a whole nother universe. Now making money is bad. Money is not uh, spiritual Mm -hmm. You know, it's not yoga like. Mm -hmm. So, a whole different language where, again, I'm chasing success ultimately. And I thought, okay, well, I shouldn't, I should be there for the people because not everyone can afford my service. Mm -hmm. Not everyone, this is about serving people, not taking from them to make them broke. And that's a whole misunderstanding in itself. So, but again, that was my environment. So, two different environments. Like, yoga was success is about not making money. I'm just going to simplify it. It mm-hmm. seemed like success was not make, about not making money because it's about if you take from someone else, how are you really serving them? That's what mm-hmm. I took from it. The other side, which is being the professional, success was about making money, but it was making a certain dollar amount.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And if you didn't make that amount, you're an underachiever, you're a failure, something's wrong with you. You're not serving people. Either way, it was all about how to serve people and trying to hit different marks but i was missing the point like we're okay. missing the whole point with all okay. of that
0: so how do we reconcile those because i think you really hit on two very common issues right which is like either you're not enough because you're not making enough or um you're greedy because you're you're wanting to make more or and, or, and i think in yoga we start we can sometimes feel like we're focusing on the money. I, I actually had a friend who um, asked for a raise um, for through a yoga organization that shall remain nameless, and the person said to her, "You know, we do this out of love. We don't do it for the money." That was sort of the, the uh, boss's uh, excuse, no. <laughs> and I'm like, "Wait a minute!" But we all need to make money. So, how? What? What are your thoughts on on how to reconcile this? These really common. Um, pulls that, that we go through tensions.
1: So awareness is the key and it's a practice of awareness. I want to even bring up that boss was looking after his or her own pocket. Yes. And then, cause this is how, this is how the, these beliefs get weaved in that yoga teacher is, is doing it for the love. That's what the yoga teacher wants to do. And so the yoga teacher listened to that and yeah. it's like back down. I'm not going to ask for the money because asking for money is not loving. that that boss was looking out for his or her pocket.
0: Right.
1: So I just have to make that very clear. It's about being willing to see things differently. Your family is actually a product of this to spread yoga. We need money. Money is a resource that serves us and we need to be okay with that. Mm -hmm. The, the language, one of the many languages of the world is currency. So we need to be okay with that and learn to live with that and understand that there's no connection. Money doesn't make you anything. It's, it's, it's a piece of paper. It's, it's like this envelope, you know, you have to know who you are. Mm, That's a really good point.
0: Yes. Regardless of how much is coming in now, how much is coming in later, you have to know who you are. Right. Okay. Okay. So that's helpful. That's very helpful. When you were in the the mindset of I have to make this much money, um, did you then feel that part of the problem was then you had to like keep up more appearances than just the money? Is that you know what I mean? Like, is that how the money just went out? Um, because you talked about like there's a difference between making money and having money. So I'm trying to get us there basically with this question. Yeah.
1: So um, the short answer is yes. My face that I'm making in case no one's seeing my face is like, Ooh, I have to admit that. I mean, you know,
0: (laughs) yeah. we all make, we all make this, we all do this. So that's, that's why I brought it up. Yeah.
1: And it took me some time, some years to actually get the courage to go backwards and see what was going on at that time period. And I saw what I was spending my money on, but this is the thing. So there was no intention to keep because I had no idea that I had to have an intention to keep. It was all about making. And the purpose for me in that environment, my corporate environment, I thought, okay, coming along with it was to get a raise. I had to look the part. So yes, I bought some clothes, Mm -hmm, of um, I, I do have a handbag collection. Oh, wow. <laughs> At one point I drove a V12 engine car, which doesn't make any sense because I had no savings, but I had a V12. Uh-huh. 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 <laughs> I had a V12, but I had no savings. Mm-hmm. And uh, let's just put it out there. I was afraid to contribute to my 401k, my retirement account, account. but I had a V12 engine. Do <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> you know what my priorities were? I do. Um, I get
0: it. I get it.
1: So I'm like, okay, surely I'll make more money. And I was kind of being rewarded because then I'll hear people say, Chiyama, you dress well, you look professional, you sound the part. I never got a raise. Same. Oh my I, gosh, it's so hard. I <laughs> yeah. never got a raise. I mean, and, and the only way for me to get a raise was to leave that job and get another. Mm-hmm. I was very marketable. So I was fortunate, especially in New York City. At the time, I was... It was easy for me to get a higher paying job, but did I get the raise? You know, did I get that promotion? Did I get, no. And to get to the point of knowing have the intention of having money, I hit financial rock bottom. I was, I got to a point where I wasn't employable because my job hopping hurt me down the line. Mm, That's hard. And and so at the time I was 35, I had no savings. like I got stripped of a lot of things. I also ended my, an engagement moved in with mom and dad who were also cash strapped. We were all learning this lesson at the same time, Mm
2: -hmm.
1: but I had a beautiful dog at the time. So (laughs) yay! I had to really take a look. That was, that was really the universe saying, okay, stop the madness. Let's take a look at what's going on here. You did all these so-called right things. You have nothing to like what's going on are the right things really the right things? So that's where I had to start looking at things from a different perspective.
0: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And then did you say you taught yoga?
1: I started to teach yoga. I feel like this is where I feel like the universe was having my back here because yoga came into my life two years before I hit financial rock bottom.
0: Oh, wow. Okay. So you had a practice, which is great, right? You had that to lean on. So how, okay. So I mean, I, you know, I so relate to your story. I mean, when I worked downtown in San Francisco, I mean, you do have to buy clothes. You do have to go to meetings. You do have to travel and, and to a certain extent, look the part. And I think about, you know, how much more money of my, how much, what a greater proportion of my salary I spent then on clothing or like parking my car or, eating out for lunch because I was downtown and I didn't like the smell of the refrigerator in the, in the break room. And yeah, it's, it's, it's easy to, for that to happen, to lose track of things. So, and to lose track of yourself, as you said. Mm -hmm. So then if you, you know, so you taught yoga and you were then faced with that opposite mindset of it's, Greedy to talk about money. It's greedy to think about money. It's, you're not serving people if you're thinking about this. Um, This is a spiritual practice. How can we help reframe that? Or how, how did you reframe, how did you resist that? How did you reframe that for yourself so that we can help reframe that for other people?
1: There were a few things, I would say, two things that come to mind that came into my life. It was first a classic money book called Profit First. And it was mind blowing to me because my accountant, one size fits all, one track mind was now exposed to a different way to handle and organize the finances. And what's interesting is I also, I love watching and listening to Susie Orman, Dave Ramsey, sorry, Dave Ramsey, not really my style, but, <laughs> but I listened to those kind of people growing up. Mm -hmm. So, but it never connected, like none of that connected with me until I got this very book. So that was number one, something Mm -hmm. that met me where I was. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: I'll just pretend that everyone knows profit first for now, just just to keep it on topic. Sure. And then I happened to stumble upon a manifesting book. A friend of mine recommended someone's, and I was like, manifesting, what's that? Mm -hmm. And I avoided the secret, like the plague. I still, I still have not read it. But it was this workbook that was manifest $1,000 in 21 days. <laughs> I'm laughing because it sounds silly. <laughs> but um, but it took me through these exercises that very much reminded me of my yoga practice and had me actually get a book on, this is the third thing that I just remembered, the yamas and niyamas. Hmm,
2: wow!
1: And so it was about forgiveness. It was about listing all the things that I wanted. And it's like, Forget what everyone else says. Let's what do you want? Mm-hmm. Look down and see if you can find money. And I was amazed at how much money people drop on the floor to this day, by the way. People drop a lot of money. Just look down. I found $600 on that one time. So um, wow. that's the most I found. It's almost become a game for me now. The short story of this is that I ended up manifesting this $1,000 in 35 days. But I was like, okay, there's something to this. Mm-hmm. And then I got stuck. <laughs> but the, the point is like, I got, I started to see things a different way, mm-hmm. but then I started to make what I call the same mistakes, which is this formulaic. I was like honoring the practice. Of, okay. whatever. And I still don't even understand what that means, but I do. And I don't wave some sage around. Oh, it's the stuff. It's the idols, the Mm-hmm. Just forgive a bunch of people, but without in, without really getting to the root mm-hmm. of mm-hmm. what was going on. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I was still very, very surface.
0: Mm-hmm. So it sounds like it started to tap, those, those exercises started to tap into like, who are you? Mm-hmm. What's your intention with money? But it then didn't get more practical. Yes. Is that, okay. So then, what? so I mean, because that's very interesting that- like you said these books sound kind of silly but there is something to them in terms of helping you focus on what's important to you and getting back to pushing away the noise of of your upbringing or what you know all of our baggage around finances and money and getting back to like what's important to you seems like a good first step one of the things that i remember from Susie Orman talks on PBS i think i watched a few of them is just like If you, you know, stop drinking that cup of, going out and getting that cup of coffee every day, you would, you know, have this much in your savings. And it just depressed me so much for so many years when I was really, you know, barely making enough to really save anything. I think think for me for a long time, it was that because I I couldn't save as much as I felt like I was supposed to, I don't think I really saved anything. It was like an all or nothing mindset. Mm -hmm. So... Yeah. How did you get from this manifesting and it being a little bit too much up here to being more practical? And does it take kind of depriving oneself to, to just get to that point of saving
1: money, of having money? So the last question, depriving yourself, absolutely not. Those who know me well, coffee is not your problem. Okay. It sounds the whole cut, the coffees is in line with a lot of these common mindset and manifestation practices. It's like, if you focus on, on just doing that, you don't get to the root of the problem. Okay. So coffee is not in, in my work. I have never once seen coffee be anyone's problem. And I always say, if you buy that much coffee, just get a coffee shop. They were the one, there were the stores opening around in my area during this pandemic. <laughs> so coffee is not going away. hmm to get to, I'll say, jump, jumping to where I had to, I had to learn for myself that coffee wasn't a problem. So reintroducing profit first, or rather I'll describe an aspect that um, I recommend to anybody. And this is in the practice of giving and more importantly, learning what you need. Not Someone else can't tell you what's good for you. And that coffee is the same thing. If you've saved the coffees. Coffee might not be relevant to some countries. I I Mm. come from a a former British colony. We were tea drinkers. Well, I'm a coffee drinker, but tea drinkers. We can't, coffee. It's like, what? So one thing I got from Profit First to start was using what I have. We we should have a savings account. We definitely have a checking account. And I don't know about you, but my savings account was always used as a get out of jail free, like an (laughs) emergency. I'd put money in and I'm taking more money out.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: so it actually taught me how to use this and what I did at the time when I'm I'm with my parents yoga is helping me pay some of the little bills I have I'm earning only 350 dollars per month so big big downhill from my six-figure salary mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I was at a point where I've got to just try something so it was it's what I call the one percent rule I learned to take 1% of that $350 and move it to my savings account. And I did that consistently every time I got, I made money. And I mm. did that before, before I paid a bill. So okay. I had to learn to give to me.
0: Oh. And even that was hard. Okay.
1: And then came the reward of this rule. Every 90 days, every three months, you have the option of taking half. Of what is in your savings account and spending it on you, not on a bill, not on anything else. It has to be on you.
2: Hmm.
1: And so, what did I do? I bought a coffee. <laughs> oh, nice! And the nice thing about this rule is that the the coffee didn't deplete my savings. I still had money left in my savings. And so I kept following this. And what was interesting was now my income starting to started to increase. Because it was almost like I was showing a higher power, that okay, now I get it. Now I'm capable of this resource, and I'm practicing giving to me. I'm practicing spending consciously. I'm starting to step into my value because one thing I struggled with as a teacher was also valuing what I do, right? Or did, did and do, and that's something I see a lot of teachers. Absolutely, we don't, we don't value what we do and. As someone that's also on the other side of it a lot these days, yoga teachers, you bring a lot to the table. You bring a lot. We need you. Mm-hmm, <laughs>
2: mm-hmm.
1: This, this COVID stress is real. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. once I started valuing myself, and it's a practice, of course, of because people will challenge, oh, you're too expensive. And I had to realize, you know what? This person is not for me. Or... I understand why do you say that? And I get to what's, I start asking questions instead of just being like, okay, start Mm -hmm, asking mm -hmm. questions. Why do you say I'm too expensive? What's really going on? And then I can definitely have a conversation with that person. But for me, as someone that's always been with money, as someone whose money, money has always been a challenge in my family. I had to, this whole 1% rule got me to start seeing my own value, my own worth, that I'm not greedy. And more importantly, that I need money. Mm-hmm. I need mm-hmm. money to spread the good, to make a change in this planet.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's so smart that you paid, you did your savings before your bills, because that would have been my issue when things were really scarce was like, well, I just paid my bills and now I don't have, you know, um, then I bought the really expensive thing at the grocery store that I wanted. And suddenly I don't have money for my savings. And, and then I would think that the that process of, accruing the savings slowly, but steadily and surely and having it be doable is just very gratifying. And then you want to keep doing it more. Whereas the coffee, again, it's about depriving depriving yourself. So you don't really want to do it. And so it feels really bad. And then you want to do it less. You know, it's like that positive reinforcement instead of the negative reinforcement.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: So you hit on something important, um, which is how to value yourself as a yoga teacher. And this is challenging in every profession, but yoga is so entrepreneurial that it's entrepreneurial. And yet we, you know, yoga teachers often work for studios where the margins are tight. So it can be really challenging. And I think that right now things are, you know, the landscape has changed so much with the pandemic and hopefully we're going to come out of that soon. I still keep that hope and that studios are going to open and things are going to start flowing again. But a lot of teachers are now teaching online where they never have before, or they're teaching hybrid. They're teaching part online on their own, part in a studio. The studio might be part on the... It's it's complicated, right? So for teachers who, let's say, are starting to teach their own classes online, I see a lot of donation-based ideas. I, I'm not criticizing anybody. I mean, I, I'm just kind of thinking, can we can we think outside the box and brainstorm for people here? I, so I do see donation for people who are just starting new classes online. Um, I see people doing all different kinds of models, subscription models. What is your recommendation about where people price themselves? How do you value value yourself while still balancing what's happening in the market? And do you look into do you benchmark what other people are doing? What do you have any advice around that? Big big yeah. question.
1: My advice is going to be not what a lot of people like. I'm going to be controversial right now and say that I find that the westernized yoga studio culture, it's cultural to be broke it's when you said that studios um, have low margins, it's, it's cultural. Hmm. I've worked with a couple studios. It's the mindset that's just too prevalent in yoga. People can disagree with me. I guarantee I look at your numbers. I'll find something. I promise you.
0: So what do you so, mean? Like, what would you find? Cause I'm just thinking like, let's, you know, yeah. I'm so curious about what you mean. Tell me more.
1: I'll, I'll say for the, the two former clients that I, I had, um, the, the money was being spent on things that was not what the community needed. We're spending on toilet paper. I mean, we got to use if you have bathrooms, but I think there's an assumption that let's make it spa like and let's have like all the toilet paper and the incense and the and the combs and the variety of things when people were never taking a shower. Hmm. And that people were there for the classes and maybe like one person took a shower. So that's, and, and the reason why I say, I'm pointing to this, I'm not saying get rid of all the bathrooms. (laughs) I'm definitely not saying that, but there's a failure to assess and to really take a look at what people need. This is where the service part comes in. Look at what people are asking for. And it's also your business too. If you want a spa situation, then promote that. Right. But, Now I'm sounding like a business, now now I'm sounding like an accountant a little bit, but like, that's okay. (laughs) Like, sometimes we just, we're so disconnected from our communities, we're not really hearing them, we're not really observing them. We're taking this, oh, a studio is supposed to have all this stuff because that's just the way it is. Hmm. And we're not really paying attention to the people that are coming in to see what are they asking for? What are the questions that they have or concerns? How are they, how are they feeling? What do they do? We're not getting into conversation with them enough. Hmm. So that's my high level trash talk right there. Okay. (laughs) Trash talk yet, not so trash talk. I see this all the time. As for now pricing, it's okay to see what other people are doing. I, I would love for yoga teachers to really step into really understanding, like, what do you bring to the table? And don't ask permission from anybody. It's like, what's authentic to you? What do you see is the need? Base your value, your pricing. I mean, it's going to play around with it. Is donation-based what you feel is in your heart? Do donation. Mm If $100 per class is what you value, there's going to be someone that'll pay it. I promise you. Mm -hmm. If it's $20 or $10, that you see, that's the norm. I'm saying that for here in my area, $20, a range of on virtual, that is Mm -hmm. then do that. But when we start to make it about money, we're missing the point. Let's try, it's a practice, but let's try and lead with value. What do you offer? What are you, what problem are you really trying to solve? And, And really that's the first step. What are you about Because then the money supports that everything Mm -hmm. flows from there, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. instead of oh money and then and then go from there.
0: Right, right. Oh money, am I? Is this one class worth this much? Because somebody else is only charging this much. Exactly. So thinking about what is my value? What am I really offering? You could really think about like you just brought up. Thought made me think of this because you brought up the pandemic and stress and. It's almost like yoga teachers are, our frontline stress workers.
1: Absolutely. You know, <laughs> my voice got loud right there. Absolutely.
0: Mm-hmm. <laughs> Absolutely. Mm-hmm. So reframing perhaps the way that you think of what you do from this small, I teach yoga, I teach sun salutations, I teach shavasana, I teach, to like a more vital role might help some people reframe that for themselves. Would you say also when you're thinking about pricing, you're thinking about this is what I need to have to feel like I'm secure, I have enough to put away in my little 1%, I have enough to support myself, and then just being really practical about it from there?
1: I'll say, because we do, there's one thing is, you know, what I just said is value yourself and it's like, what does that really mean, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, I can get more specific. And then there's the the practical of like, I'll actually talk that through, through right now, because we do have to have a, a goal, give you a focus. So the concern of how much do I, can I make and to fulfill my needs, I would say to, this is a good grounding exercise. Might not seem that way. Check your bank accounts, like get very clear on like what it costs to be you. How much do you pay for if you, whether you rent or if you own a home, your mortgage, your electricity, your electricity or any kind of utility you have, wireless, food, common incidentals. Maybe start with the most recent month by looking at your bank statement or, and when I say bank statements, I include credit cards or loans and lines of credit it's really time to take a look at that. This is your grounding. This is your child's pose. This is your, or your Tadasana. Know the bottom, right? The bottom sounds bad, but have a foundation. Baseline, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And then that gives you an idea of what you need to make, at least to cover that. And then you can base your, then you think, okay, well, I want to charge, let's say $10 person per head for my virtual, you know, not in person but virtual, then think about and how many times you teach, think about how many people you need to fill that hour or 90 minutes, however long you do. And then the thing is, is to go out there and do it, Mm -hmm. you know, go and try it, you know, Mm -hmm. and everything I saw a quote or a line that says building wealth is requires trial and error completely.
0: I was just going to bring that up. I was just going to bring that up. You know, I think if someone had said to me when I, before I became a parent, it's okay to change your mind and it's okay to go back to your child and say, you know what? I had not really figured out what we were going to do about this issue, but I figured it out now and I changed my mind. If someone had given me that permission, my first few years of parenting would have been so much easier because you just feel like you have to know it all. And it's similar to, I think with money, you feel like, when you're pricing yourself, you feel like you have to know what's going to happen. And if it doesn't work, it's like, oh my gosh, this isn't working. This job isn't working. I can't do this. (laughs) It's like, it takes time to build a business. It takes time to understand who you're serving and what you need. It takes time and experimentation. And I imagine for you, it was similar. Like you have this business now, but you've really created and crafted your life. So that doesn't just come out of the box.
1: No, you're exactly right. It takes time. And I would say what stunted my growth. I mean, I mentioned like the masters I was serving, trying to make more money for for over a decade. And then, you know, at least spending a couple of years repeating the same quote unquote mistakes. I won't even call it a mistake. It was a message. I think there's a lot of, like you said, it's this all or nothing or what I see, especially on Instagram, it's I made my six figures or seven figures in 18 months you know, and then there's some people that are like seven figures. I know. (laughs) I I can't even pay my utility bill with seven figures. Yeah. And so it just puts, there's this expectation of time. And I think what we really need to do is give ourselves some grace, be okay with quote unquote, making a mistake. A mistake is just, it's just a message. It's like, okay, that didn't work. Try Mm -hmm. something else. It's not a failure. Mm
2: -hmm. Exactly. Mm -hmm.
1: So it's just, it's life like, and it's life your way. Mm -hmm. Like, and like, and I love that you said it, you're allowed to change your mind. So give ourselves permission to change our mind.
0: Yes. Yes. I think you're right. There's all of these messages both in social media. And then even before we had social media that we're all supposed to know what we're doing all the time. And if we don't, we failed. And that's just not how life works. Life is a big process of trial and error. Like you said, it's a big practice and if you can just keep learning and moving forward, you're going to figure it out one Absolutely. way or another. Yeah. Yeah. So how are you working with people right now? What are the different ways that you work with people? And then as an addendum to that question, what, what are the ways that yoga teachers could use some kind of financial professional that would be helpful to them?
1: Sure. So the ways that I'm working with people, I, I work primarily one-on-one, I'm considering a group and I'll explain that (laughs) probably a little later. I help people achieve financial control. And so really the intention with that is to normalize having money in your bank accounts, normalize having money and to help you see that the decisions you make is okay. Like build a relationship with money and see that you need money to spread your gifts. You need money for yourself and it's okay to have money. So primarily one-on-one, I'm now considering a small group just because I don't want to just be the person that's just talking and, you know, people don't really understand what I'm saying, but I actually, we get into your numbers. I, I go in and I help, I work with you. So I'm, I am not at the coffee, caught the cuffies person. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> so there's that. I also just uh, wrote an ebook, just mindful financial habits, just simple things that you can do with with the tools that you have to help you connect better with your finances. And basically habits are rewarding and the reward is building your bank balance. So again, normalizing, having money and hopefully you don't feel like you're greedy. Um, So those are the two primary ways. Suggestions for for yoga professional. If, if they want to work with who seek external help, there's many options. I would say that you, I always, I'm a little biased because I'm a financial coach. <laughs> so consider working with a financial coach, a coach that can actually like tap into the behaviors and beliefs. I think that's really important and, and help you, let's just say, realign your beliefs. Not make you wrong for what you mm-hmm. believe about money, but understand what you're believing and shift them so that you can have a healthier connection and approach with money. And also understand that you're not stealing from anybody if mm-hmm. you charge. Mm-hmm. So a financial coach will work with that, and will also give you like a, a plan or structure to help you organize your finances. I know that there's a, also there's a bookkeeper. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I find because I my my business is called the Mindful Bookkeeper. I find that bookkeepers, this is my own opinion. If you have a difficult relationship with a book with your numbers, you might push off doing all the stuff onto the bookkeeper, which is fine. But then, if the bookkeeper is going to be doing asking, hey, can you change your bank password? Hey, can you answer this? I'm following up on this email. You're avoid you're avoiding your money, and your bookkeeper is a reflection of your money that can be a difficult relationship. So your
0: bookkeeper keeps you a coach is exactly what it sounds like. Someone who looks at things on a macro level and, you know, supports you and gives you advice and keeps you motivated. A bookkeeper, Jason has always used a bookkeeper. It's interesting that we've never used a financial coach. I don't think we had enough money until a few years ago to do that, but, but the bookkeeper for him, and now for us, because now that I'm freelance as well, just keeps things really organized and and for taxes, keeps us really on track and organized. But you're saying like, if you're a person that kind of avoids your money, your bookkeeper could become perhaps too much of a, they could stay too much on top of things and you're not staying as on top of things.
1: Correct. Yeah. Right. Okay. I imagine with your bookkeeper, you look at the financials, like you're, you're aware, like, yeah, on top of yes. things organized. Tax wise, everything you look right, yeah. Some people just do not. They're like, "Cool, oh, Okay. Yeah. Until there's a problem, like mm-hmm. an IRS later letter, so <laughs> which we don't want that.
0: Right, right, right. Okay. And then, if you were looking for a coach, what kinds of things do you look for? Actually, also for a bookkeeper, what kind of background do you look for? Education.
1: I say. So there's many, because, so for example, I'm an accountant that does bookkeeping. Have a conversation and I say, come to the table with what you need. So get a little clarity. You don't have to know everything, but get a little clarity and talk to the person. See if the person, there's some great bookkeepers who aren't certified. That's so that it makes things complex, but it's what they say that give you comfort. So they'll be, Asking about, you know, for example, if you have accounting software, they might ask how what what structure your business is, some higher level things like revenue, but more importantly, what are your goals? You know, what do you want out of this relationship? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And same thing with with a coach, a coach, you can get more into the emotions like, you know what, I'm uncomfortable with money and I want to fix this situation. Mm -hmm. It's holding me back. And so the coach will dive into, well, why are you uncomfortable? You know, what's your family background? What content are you consuming? And just help you become, get some awareness. And then the coach will give you some exercises on on how to manage that discomfort and improve it. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So those are some questions. I'll add a third person, finance if you have like investments or some form of some wealth, there's a financial planner/ advisor. They dive more into helping you organize your investments and, okay. and building wealth. so okay. A it's lot of options. <laughs> yeah,
0: no, that's helpful. I, we get a lot of questions at the end of teacher trainings about these, so I figured it would be helpful to ask you. Well, tell me what you're thinking about for your group because uh, it sounds like it could possibly be a good fit for people who are listening.
1: In terms of the group, one thing I'm considering just to reach more people. Cause I'm this girl, this lady's on a mission to just help as many people as I can and not make money be the reason why you can't have money. So my, my one-on-one is, is price for a business owner. That's at a certain revenue level. I'll just say six figures. So that includes yoga studios. However, not everyone is there. Mm -hmm. And so what I'm willing to do just to open it up, instead of that price being for six-figure earners, it'll be that collective price for four people. So it will be like a a group pod. And therefore I can actually serve on like a, a one-on-one level, but with four people, like I can actually look inside of the finances and, and deliver, but you've also have like a mastermind going on. And Mm. so that'll be, I think that'll be a good thing.
0: Yeah. So I think that's really wise, especially in this day and age when so much is done virtually, it just makes a lot of sense. So yeah. how can people find you or, or reach you? And also you've got to give me the, the URL of the ebook so that I can put that on the show notes page. Cause
1: that's, oh yes, great. I am. I do hang out on Instagram. Um, my, my Instagram handle is mindfully Chiama. Come visit my website, themindfulbookkeeper.com. Yeah. Podcasts like this.
0: <laughs> yeah, absolutely.
1: Okay. Well, thank you so much. It's great to have you here today. Thank you. I really enjoyed this conversation. Me too. Thank you so much.
0: Thanks so much for listening. I will put show notes, including links to all of the places that you can find Chiyama and her ebook that she mentioned at yogalandpodcast.com slash episode 253. As always, it is so helpful when you share episodes that you enjoy on social media or with family and friends, and even more fantastic if you can follow the show wherever you get your podcast, or if you can leave a rating and review. It just helps me reach more people and help more yoga teachers. All right, everyone, until next week, enjoy your practice.